Good morning. I think it's fair to say it's been a week that we didn't expect. This has been a week in which news that we always knew was inevitable. Everyone dies at some point and the Queen was only ever getting older. But even so, it's come as a shock. This wasn't, as far as we know, a long, drawn-out illness or anything like that. One day she was shaking hands with the new Prime Minister and seeing out the old. The next day or the day after, we hear that family are going to be at her bedside. And then the news breaks of our Queen's death. In addition to that, as a church community, we are mourning the loss of someone very, very dear to us, Alan Barnes a man who served the church faithfully and loyally for so many years, a man who so many people that I've spoken to have got very personal testimonies about the difference that Alan made to their lives. It's fair to say that Alan's loss has hit us hard, and that's okay. It's okay to feel that. You might remember that last week we finished um, the sermon series on the Beatitudes that we'd been doing over the summer, and... I announced that this week we'll be starting a new series. But I've really been hit with a sense of... a sense that that's not right this week. Instead, this week, because of the, the national or international sense of, of loss, coupled with the very local, very personal sense of loss as well that we're experiencing as a church family, this week we're not going to start a new series. We've got other times for that. Instead, this week, we're just going to take a moment to consider consider our grief. Consider what it means as a Christian to lose someone. Consider how we should respond, how we should feel, and to remind ourselves of the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. Grief is a very natural sensation. We should never feel guilty about mourning the loss of someone dear to us. It's an expression of the love that we felt. But sometimes we can perhaps feel that because we're Christian, because we have this wonderful hope in Jesus Christ our Lord, who who died on the cross and rose from the grave and defeated death, and because of that, we don't need to fear death and and, and all these other things that that we say so often. We can sometimes feel that it's wrong for us to mourn. We can sometimes feel that I shouldn't be feeling this intense sadness. I should be feeling the joy of, of them being in heaven. But actually, that's not always a reality. And again, that's okay. That's the natural response to losing someone that we love. The Bible says there is a time to mourn. Moving away from the Bible slightly, in Macbeth, Shakespeare says, Give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak knits up the overwrought heart and bids it break. If we don't talk about our grief, if we don't share these things, We just bottle it up, and eventually it can destroy us from the inside. But it's very difficult sometimes to talk about grief, isn't it? It really is, because whether whether we're a Christian or whether we're not, 
It can be really hard to, to, to know how to respond. How do we respond to, to, to death, to grief, to mourning, to loss? There's so many mixed messages. You see, Shakespeare tells us to, to give sorrow words, and that's not just Shakespeare, it's, a very, it's, it's well known. We should talk about our feelings, we shouldn't bottle things up, we shouldn't let them eat us away from the inside. Well, that's all well and good, but, but what word do we give to the grief that we feel? There's an awful lot of mixed messages out there. Firstly, we struggle. Is death part of God's plan or is it a bitter enemy? We know that, we know that God has, has our whole lives planned. We know that death is part of our journey. And yet at the same time, we, we read those words that Paul writes, death, where is thou victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? As if death is something that, that we, we rage against. And so that can leave us, should we just meekly accept death as part of, well, God, God's planned this, God knew this was going to happen? Or should we be, be riled by it and think, ha, death, you've got nothing on me, I'm not, I refuse to mourn, I refuse to feel like this because you've got no sting, you've got no victory. That's often not the reality we feel inside, is it? There's a lot of sentimental notions around death and dying created to comfort us. Take, for instance, a poem left by a soldier who went to Northern Ireland in case of his death. He wrote, Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I do not die. But we do die. And no matter how much we, we, we like to think of, of these notions, and they're all very sweet, and you might be thinking, hey, actually, I, I really like those words. And they are lovely words. What wonderful imagery. But that's a kind of reincarnation theology. When we die, we, we suddenly become the, the, the grain in the field and the snowflakes and all these things that we see around us, the petals on the flowers and these wonderful, beautiful things. But, but that is contrary to Christian teaching because there's no hope in that. The snowflakes are going to melt. They're going to soak away. The flowers will wither. The grain will be eaten or, or rot into the mud. There's no hope in that. We need to be careful with a sentiment. So what then? Do we take Dylan Thomas's approach? The death of his father, he wrote, do not, go, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. He had this anger. He didn't want to accept his father's death. He wanted to rage against it. There was no peace in Dylan Thomas's response. Again, one of the great, great poets, Percy Shelley, when John Keats died, he wrote, He is made one with nature. There is heard his, vo his voice in all her music from the moan of thunder to the song of night, sweet bird. Again, being absorbed into nature, this idea that... that, that, that 
the person who has died has simply been reincarnated somewhere else. And we must be careful not to subscribe to these, to these ideas because they are not, they are not the, the message of Scripture. But they're all around us. You go into Clinton's cards and you find these, these sentimental verses and they can bring a short-term peace and a short-term comfort. But there is nothing short-term about the promise of Scripture. But with all these confusing messages around, it's no wonder that some people feel like saying it's so much darker when a light goes out than it would have been if it had never shone. We almost wish we could just turn back the clock, erase someone's life and not have to go through the, 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 the mix of emotions that we're experiencing. It'd be better if the light had never shone. But then other people would go with... Sorry, I've been going to my bookcase this week, you can tell, can't you? Would go down, down the Tennyson route. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. That was something which Tennyson wrote on the death of, of Arthur Hallam, one of his dearest, dearest friends. And it can, it can leave us feeling, and I promise you this is the last one, as Byron wrote, when he had lost someone very dear to him, I am ashes where once I was fire. Because it can be so exhausting when we look around us and when we, we walk through and read, read messages on headstones or read sympathy cards or, or we, we can go online and see verses and all these pretty sentiments and it can be confusing and it can be all, all encompassing. We just think, I, I, I don't know how to express. I don't know how to give words to sorrow. And at these times, we must make sure that we remind ourselves of the promise of Scripture. There is nothing more comforting, there is nothing more assuring, and there is nothing more necessary in the face of death and loss and grief and sadness and tears than the promises of Scripture, the Word of God. So we're going to consider some of these. We're going to consider, first of all, a story of someone who was dealing with loss. And specifically, what God says to them. So to begin with, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, we've read all about the life of Moses, and we get to Deuteronomy chapter 34, and we're told in verse 5, absolutely certainly, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. So this was no accident, this was no shock to God, this wasn't something that was never meant to be in God's plan. God had ordained the time and the place, the day itself, when Moses would die. So when someone dies, let us not think it was a big shock to God. It may be a shock to us, it may hurt us, yes. But we can put our faith in God, who is in total control. He knew that day would come. He knew that day would come for Alan. He knew that day would come for Queen Elizabeth. And what's more, from the moment before they were born, he knew when that day would be. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. But then, Joshua Straight away. So Joshua is kind of um, Moses' right-hand man. He's his protege. He's been, he's been prepared for this moment. 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. That might sound like quite a stark, blunt message. God acknowledges death. God is aware of what Joshua is going through. He's aware of the pain of death. He's aware of the emotional impact it has upon us. And so he doesn't just say, right, Joshua, wipe your eyes, mate. You've got jobs to do. Come and get on with it. He, said, he acknowledges, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then throughout chapter 1, three times, God, when he's speaking to Moses, be strong and courageous. Verse six, that was verse 6. In verse 7, again, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, if I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua, he is mourning. He is sad. He's lost a role model, a father figure, someone he looked up to, someone who trained him and prepared him for this role. Joshua is going through what King Charles is going through now. But God says to him, be strong and courageous. I am with you. In every, every teardrop, in every moment, in every memory, in every hope and every fear, I am with you. And when Joshua goes and repeats God's words to his people and sends, gives them the, the, the commands to, to, for the, the mission that God has got laid out before Joshua and he shares that with the people, what do they echo back to him right at the end of, of, of the first chapter of the book of Joshua? Only be strong and courageous. We ask nothing more from you as a leader, but be strong and courageous. At the moment... As Christians, one of the strongest and most courageous things that we can do is confront the grief that we feel. We should never feel guilty about showing grief. Being strong and courageous might be walking down an aisle in a supermarket and bursting into tears because the person you've lost and I'm not just talking about, about dear Alan or our Queen. There may be someone that you've lost. It might, be, it might be last week, it might be last year, it might be 10 years ago, it might be further. Grief doesn't leave us. Grief is something we, we might learn to cope with, but we never move on from it. It's always there. It takes strength and it takes courage to be prepared to accept grief when it hits you, when the waves come, to share with people, to talk with people. As a church family, that's what we should do. I know some of you have come and seen me this week. And it's been lovely just to talk. Talk about memories. Talk about how we feel. And we should do that with one another. That strength and courage confronting the way that we feel. But of course we know, we know we have a God who cares. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In terms of grief, we, we, should, we should cry out to our God. 
We turn to him. Why? Because he cares. Because he loves us. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples the night before he was betrayed, the night before he was falsely accused, the mock trial, the torture, and the eventual crucifixion, before all that happened, he said to his disciples, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Now is your time of grief. Jesus was well aware of the pain of grief. Jesus had suffered loss. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again. I will see you again. And we know that was true for the disciples. We know that, that three days after the crucifixion, after Jesus had been, had been sent into the tomb, after the tomb had been sealed, after he'd, he'd had the sword in the side and, and he, was, he was as dead as dead can be, he went into that tomb and we know that three days later he was not in that tomb. He came out of that tomb and the disciples did see him again. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus has power over death. That is why we can say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? We feel the sting. Of course we feel the sting. It hurts, it's sad. But we know that there's no power in death. We know that because of what Jesus did, there is no victory in death other than the victory of Christ. When we read what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now that's a, a long passage and it can be a confusing passage. Paul talks a lot about, about the, the perishable and the imperishable and the mortal and the immortal and you can hear that and it can be a little bit, a little bit overwhelming perhaps. But essentially, he sums it up in a much, much simpler form of words a little bit later on in his letters to the Ephesians. 
where he says to them, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, the perishable body that we have, the perishable life that we have, we can clothe ourselves in the righteousness and the love of God. And by doing so, the perishable body, yes, that will die. The perishable sin, that will die. But we clothe ourselves in the imperishable righteousness of God. And therefore, death has no victory over us. It had no victory over Alan. It had no victory over our queen. Our sin dies. Yeah. Because Jesus has killed it. But our soul enters the kingdom of God. And so that hasn't been captured in some, some pithy, sweet form of words in a, a greeting card in Clinton's, not to the best of my knowledge. Because it's something which is so complex, it's such a such a um, a broad concept. There's so much depth to wrestle with, to understand. But this is a promise from a God who keeps his promises. The mortal will die. It's mortal. The immortal will not. What is mortal? Our bodies. What is mortal? Our sin. When those things die, what is left? Our soul. Our soul having been purified by the love of Jesus Christ. Our soul goes to be with our Father in heaven. And that's when we can say, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Indeed, when we get to heaven, where, O death, even are you? Because there is no death in heaven. And so, to finish this morning, let's just remind ourselves of that Shakespearean quote that we started with. Now, Shakespeare is not scripture, but we're, we're going to do something now together. We're going to give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak knits up the overwrought heart and bids it break. But actually, we have a hope we have a hope that is not going to break our hearts. Instead, it's a hope that we're going to say together, we're going to speak out loud because we're going to read from the book of Revelation. We're going to read from the book of Revelation the hope that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. The hope that we have when we look beyond the grave. The hope that we have when we lose someone that we dearly love and care for. This is the vision that, that John gives us. The vision of, of what heaven might look like. This is a glimpse of the heavenly realm. Now, of course, none of, us, none of us can say for sure what heaven looks like, but we can read the words of God. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we, as we watch a state funeral next Monday, as we gather here and, um, and mark the loss of Alan, 
whether that's next Monday or whether there's a new date to be agreed. As we think of people that we've lost, maybe recently or maybe historically, people who are still dear to us, people we still miss, we're going to read this promise. We're going to read from Revelation 21. The words are up on the screen. We're going to read them together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So the people that we love and that we, that we, that we miss, they're not in a glint of the snowflake that will, that will melt and fade away. They're not in the petals of the flower that will wither and die. They're not in the, in, in the, the warmth of the morning sun or the grain on the, on the stem. They're in heaven with their God. And it's not something that's going to wither and fade. The kingdom of heaven is eternal. And one day... If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we will see them there. Let's pray. Father God, you know what it is like to lose someone you love. For you saw your own son dying on that cross. And so Lord, we thank you that whatever whatever emotion we are feeling at the moment, you know what's in our hearts. We can come before you honestly and openly. We can give sorrow words. And Lord, especially at this time, we pray for your protection over Norwich Central Baptist Church. Lord, you know the losses that we have suffered. And they hurt. And we miss people. But Lord... We know that you comfort those who mourn. We know that you heal broken hearts. And we know that right now, you are with us. Father, we thank you that just as you know where we are, we know where they are. They're with you. Because you're a God of love. You're a God of hope. You're a God of grace. And Father, we thank you that as we read those words of Revelation, we are reminded of the glimpse of your heaven, of your kingdom that awaits us. So Father God, be with us this week and in future weeks. Comfort us as we need comforting. Help us to be strong and courageous in the way that we share how we are feeling. Help us as a church family look after each other, pray for one another. Maybe make the phone call or drop the card round. 
give time to one another. Father God, we thank you for your presence and for your mercy. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name as we carry on worshipping you this morning. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to stay standing, we'll sing our final song together. Following on from that, we're going to sing, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope.
you as we close our time together now. Thank you that you've been with us. Thank you that you've spoken to us. Thank you that you're our living hope and be with us as that hope today, tomorrow and through the rest of this week until we meet again. We pray and thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.